0: So you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in. Hour number two. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Encourage you to go download the podcast. Make sure you don't miss a single moment of the show every single day of the week. uh, Monday through Friday, you can hang out with us. So we were just talking about great nonfiction books. And I finished one recently, "The Splendid and the Vile," which is about Churchill during uh, the bombing of uh, of England. Have you read that book, Buck? I'm I'm, I'm about seventy five
2: pages into "Dead Wake" by Eric Larson, the same author about the sinking yes. of the Lusitania.
0: We we really do nerd out together.
1: Uh, yeah, we
0: did well, not coordinate. Uh, this is like when we show
2: up on TV wearing the same outfit,
0: exact same outfits. I, I will say I am an unabashed Churchill. Uh, Stan, uh, I, I am I, I read as much about Churchill as I can. One of the coolest things that I've ever gotten to do was uh going to London. If you've ever been to London and had an opportunity or if you will be going at some point, because I know all the travel's been restricted to a large extent for the past couple of years. The Churchill war rooms in London. Buck, have you been there? Have you been a- ever been able to see this?
2: I've only spent two days in London and I was 12, so I don't remember anything really. I, oh. I didn't get to
0: go. So I love London because, again, uh, the history, I'm not sure any city. I haven't been to Rome. I would love to go at some point. But of all the cities that I have visited, uh, London does one of the best jobs of mixing uh, amazing history with the modern day. And you can walk into the Churchill War Rooms. You can tour them. This is where Churchill managed uh, the war against Hitler. And it's underground and they're bunkers because obviously of all the bombs that were falling on London and it basically is set up. But you would be you would be in disbelief of how amazing it is. It's as if time has stood still. The moment that they ended the war in Europe, they essentially came out from underneath the ground and they have preserved all the maps, the cot that Churchill slept on. Uh, where the all the armies were located at the day when they were finally able to achieve victory in Europe. It is it is one of the coolest experiences. If you are a history buff, that is possible. I'm telling you right now, just put it on your list. If you ever have the opportunity to be in London, make sure that you go there. So What's your favorite Churchill biography. Uh, the what's the what's the big uh, William
2: Manchester, The Last Lion? Yes, that that tends that's mine. I mean, that tends to be the one. I like the Roy Jenkins biography of Churchill too. But
0: yes, I've got um. But the Splendid and the Vile, if you haven't read that, focuses specifically on the period where Hitler was uh, ascendant, and the question was, is he going to come across the channel and invade? And they totally believed. They did that. The psychology of all of the bombs that they were dropping on England was going to defeat the British people. And Churchill made a calculated decision uh, that he read Hitler better than anybody who was alive at that time. And he understood what he had to do in order to keep the war going until he could get the United States and others to come and join him. And remember, initially, the United States was providing material. And, uh, and resources while avoiding getting involved in the war in Europe. And so let me play this because Zelensky is making a calculated attempt to appeal to, uh, the, the Europeans who remember and honor the legacy of Churchill. He is making a very calculated attempt to be that version. But I want to play, uh, for you. I believe we have, let's see here, uh, on the uh the Zelensky uh take is a good one but i wanted to play first i think they went back and they pulled uh churchill saying that we we would resist let's play the churchill from 1940
3: we shall defend our island whatever the cost may be we shall fight on the beaches we shall fight on the landing grounds we shall fight in the fields and in the streets we shall fight in the hills we shall never surrender
0: that was Churchill, June 4th, 1940, speaking to the House of Commons. Well, Zelensky invoked Winston Churchill in his remarks to the uh, to the United Kingdom, to the Parliament there. I want you to listen to this and take into account the historical
3: echoes. We will not give up and we will not lose. We will fight till the end at sea, in the air. We will continue fighting for our land, whatever the cost. We will fight in the forests, in the fields,
4: on the shores, in the
3: streets.
0: So you hear the historical relevance there. Great job pulling uh, those cuts to put them side by side by our crew. But Zelensky has become the focal point of Ukrainian resistance, both in Europe and around the world. What exactly? And, and and he's clearly evoking Churchill, which uh, continues the analogy, which some want to make of Putin as a modern day Hitler. And let's be fair, every single time somebody does something bad or it's something that you've disagreed with, uh, the Hitler analogy is tossed out there. But you're a guy who studies history, too. What is the of evocation here long term of Zelensky clearly aligning himself with uh churchill and what do you think of the historical resonance the historical analogy and what it means going forward for the ukrainian fight he understands the
2: messaging here is to draw a direct connection between his stand against putin's invasion and the western world uh at the time really you know the uh, british empire and the united states and canada uh well those two together but you know what i mean coming together to fight against nazi germany i mean this is what he wants people to be thinking of that this is a moment in time just like we're back at the uh the early stages of world war ii and that it's effectively inevitable this is a fight for humanity for all of mankind and this is whether the long night of fascism takes over or not will be determined in this in this conquest i don't think that that is actually a fair historical analogy uh unfortunately um i think that this is yeah obviously putin has launched an aggressive invasion here but i I, the people that are saying his next stop will be his next stop will be and it's a nato country he's going to take over poland he's going to take over the baltics he's going to uh, no, at some point we will fight. We're already talking about a no-fly zone, folks. It's been two weeks. I mean, I think Putin realizes if he tries to roll tanks into Poland, we're going to have American A-10 Warthogs blowing up Russian tanks, and you know, World War III may be upon us. I think I think he does know that. But as we're seeing this right now, I'm, I'm as prepared for it, Clay. But so now, now if if someone somewhere invades another country. America has to get involved directly with troops in some capacity because a no-fly zone is American is American military in a war zone as active combatants. And that is what the and they realize that's a big tipping point, because once you do that, what comes next? What's the next step?
0: I'm not concerned about Putin taking the next step, because I don't think based on the way that the invasion has gone in Ukraine that he even has the supply lines, Buck, to be able to take him from Ukraine into another country like Poland. I, I don't believe now he could fly in with with planes and drop bombs and attack that way. But the idea that we're going to see a blitzkrieg style attack where you're rolling across multiple countries, as we saw Hitler suddenly initiate in World War II, is is not but I, I think I that's
2: do, bad I think that's bad faith analysis. I think that's meant to terrify people who don't want us to get into Ukraine and are thinking, oh, my gosh, if we don't do this, you know, next thing and next thing, you know, he's going to be flying the Russian Federation, going
0: to take over Poland, everything yeah. else like th- they That's have not going to rec- happen. You, you agree with me that they have to recognize that that's not a probability, right? Like it's almost impossible to even conceptualize.
2: Yeah, it's just not that. That's this is great. He doesn't have the he can't do yes. that
0: is the point I think that you're making.
2: Yeah, he can't trigger uh, trigger um, Article Five of NATO response and and withstand that unless he wants it. Putin doesn't want a nuclear war. He wants probably half of Ukraine and a promise that it will never be in NATO. I'm not saying that's okay, but I'm saying I think that is his end state here. He he can't take over all of Russia. Russia's got a, I mean, <laughs> sorry, take over all of Europe. Russia's got a trillion point four economy they're not going to be able to do it. this is just-
0: they can barely get to Kiev right now with the resources i mean they've been stra- uh, straggled out and uh, and strung out on the road for 40 miles as we've seen for a while and and they seem to have major supply issues there the idea that you're going to roll into another country not to mention one that would uh, trigger potentially nato defense uh, protocols seems to me kind of crazy but i do think the historical relevancy for zelensky is uh, He's playing clearly into the Churchill analogy because he knows that people now looking at this buck know that Churchill's on the right side of history. Right. And, and, and maybe one of the few people in the 20th century that everybody can agree on is a true lion hearted mm-hmm. hero. And that might move European leaders and American leaders who are fond of Churchill's legacy to be more supportive of him and Ukraine than they otherwise would be. I think it's a smart play by him.
2: Yeah, sure. And and I think a lot of people will have in mind the movie Finest Hour where Gary Oldman is playing Churchill, which goes right to it's similar to the splendid in the vile in terms of the time period. Right. Churchill's in, in the bunker trying to keep the war going despite the machinations of Halifax, who now is treated like a bad guy. I, I think it's interesting, the debate at the at the beginning of World War II of who in the British government wanted to get involved. And obviously, Churchill was much more bellicose, and now we say, well, Churchill turned out to be right. Europe had just gone through World War I. I mean, they'd effectively yeah. thrown an entire generation of men into a meat grinder for what purpose, for what reason. So it was understandable that there was a lot of hesitation to go through in a generation, yet another, you know, one generation, which passes. is why
0: France fell so quickly. Right. Because France succumbed to that, that that same imagino line. Everything else fell apart because of the historical d- demand that World War One extracted upon that entire country. But
2: the other part of this we have to remember is that America didn't even want to get involved in World War Two. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we were attacked. By Japan. We were trying to remain neutral. We had the Neutrality Act. In that movie, Darkest Hour, you have that phone call with FDR. It was like, well, maybe we can let you pull the planes, old boy, across. Remember that? Yes. It, you know, Yeah, yeah. It's not a bad FDR impression.
0: Yeah, um, that's, I mean, there hadn't been a lot of FDR impressions on the radio in a long time, so I think everybody's going to believe it's a dead ringer. There we go.
2: But <laughs> we were trying very hard at that point. The U.S. government was trying very hard at that point not to get involved. And, look, war fever is a very contagious thing. Uh, you know, I, I always am reminded of the, the Mark Twain, uh, Samuel Clemens. Uh, it's essentially a, it's, it's a short story about the guy who comes in or about the church. And it's called, I think it's called the war prayer. Um, and it just goes to how people get very caught up in it. And the moment when you're saying, hold on a second, what are we doing here? They look at you like you're the crazy one. You know, what, what do you mean you don't want to go to war right away? It feels like we're moving in, in that direction right now. We have a lot of coverage of a hospital that was just hit. It's horrible. I was saying last week and the week before, this is going to become atrocious. It's going to be awful. We're going to see more. Remember, Clay, those opening days, it was people spreading all these memes about how the Ukrainians are just you know kicking butt everywhere and everything's amazing. This is going to get very, very ugly. This is what war actually is. And when people are proposing, let's say that Zelensky, to bring it back to your point about Zelensky as Churchill, okay, we lost a lot of people in the Second World War. You know, and, and and that was uh, a conflict that we tried to stay out of and, and found ourselves brought into. Do we really want to risk the possibility of open warfare with Russia? I think a lot of people in this country th- believe that we could kick Russia's butt so fast that we would barely even feel it and that they wouldn't fire nukes. And I think that's wrong on both counts.
0: Well, and also the challenge would be we could find ourselves in a first Iraq war situation. Buck, remember... In the first Iraq war, we dominated, kicked Saddam Hussein's uh, butt when he invaded Kuwait. But the problem was Saddam Hussein was still in control after the first Iraq war. And to what extent is Putin, even if we were able to come in and kick them out of Ukraine, to what extent are we committing to a regime change in Russia because if we're not, the danger is perhaps even more elevated and remains such with Putin still in control of Russia, even if we beat him in Ukraine. And let's understand this: the the
2: Donbass region, for example, and Crimea. Clearly, that's ne- unless you want, unless people wanted to have the 82nd Airborne and 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 U.S. Marines deploying to fight urban and ground warfare against Russians. That's never going to go back to Ukraine. The Russians will dig in on that and treat that like Russian Federation territory. So this is where we get into: how do we bring this thing? I just want this thing to end as quickly as possible. I know a lot of everyone wants it to end as quickly as possible, but whatever achieves that right now, I think, and preserves the most human life should be the goal. But look, I, apparently, uh, that's a minority position right now. 70% of people want a no fly zone, according to uh, the most recent polling I've seen. So. We may be I don't think place.
0: most people understand what a no-fly zone means. Uh, and again, I, I think everybody wants this thing to be over. The question is, how do we get there and how do we do it with the least loss of life as well as the least risk of the loss of life? Because this idea, I mean, we had this good conversation in the first hour about what would happen if a nuclear weapon actually got uh, actually got let loose. And I don't think hardly anybody's actually talking about it. How many stories have you heard from family and friends of someone hacking into one of their accounts and making purchases without their knowledge? It most often shows up with a credit card or two, your friends holding onto the credit card, but yet somehow someone else has their information and starts making purchases. That's online identity theft. It's a silent crime. No one gets hurt. No one's around to blame, and you're left holding the bill. Unless you have LifeLock, and then you have the benefit of their online identity theft protection. Once you sign up with LifeLock, they scour the internet constantly looking for evidence of your identity being mixed up with the wrong people. When they see something out of whack, they don't hesitate to alert you with a phone call and an email and a text. From there, you confirm or deny the activity. If it's a big mess, LifeLock restoration specialist will step in and help you, saving you hours and hours of time, all kinds of angst as well. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses but you can help protect what's yours with lifelock by norton join now save up to 25 percent off your first year by using the promo code clay that's c-l-a-y call 1-800 lifelock or go online to lifelock.com and use the promo code clay for up to 25 percent off Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D.
1: When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled?
0: Up to $100. Download the Price Picks app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
2: Welcome back into the Clay and Buck Show. We're going to be joined here in just a few minutes by our friend Carol Markowitz on her demand, as she wrote in the New York Post, that people who are in positions of authority, the deciders of our COVID madness, apologize and admit they are wrong and i could not agree with her more there's even a piece today that clay sent me from the new york times where they're saying yeah masks and social distancing don't really work that well which clay we know is their way of saying oh yeah no this stuff if it worked a little bit well they'd be doing victory dances it didn't work a damn
0: bit and they're pivoting really rapidly up towards eventually acknowledging that none of our lockdowns, none of our masks, none of our social distancing had any impact at all. Uh, and that's where we're headed here. Right. That's what that's why Fauci, as we pointed out a couple of weeks ago, has disappeared. You can't find him anywhere.
2: Has a single blue check reached out to you even privately to say, wow, Clay, you were right. No, I'm just wondering. Not one. I had conservatives reach out to me starting about six to say, right around when we teamed up. Conservatives reached out to say, you were right about Fauci all along. I'm sorry, I doubted you. But no one on the left has been like, oh, it turns out you didn't want to murder old people. You're just not a moron. No one has actually said that The thing I've
0: had to that is in the world of sports, people tried to argue, hey, if we play football and basketball, kids are going to die, right? And not one person, to my knowledge, in the entire country died associated with sports coming back and that's obviously connected to schools reopening and some people in the world of sports have privately said you know what i was 100 wrong on that which i give credit for
2: black rifle coffee is our go-to source for caffeinated goodness they make amazing coffee their approach to fresh roasted coffee beans being delivered right to your home is remarkable keeping up with the man they've got a cadence of roasting premium beans they import from brazil and colombia every weekday before shipping coffee beans directly to your home Black Rifle is a veteran-owned company. They serve premium coffee to people who love America. That is their mission. Go online and see for yourself. Join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. When you join the club, your chosen brew is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on your schedule. Purchase at BlackRifleCoffee.com and use code CLAYANDBUCK at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's CLAYANDBUCK is your promo code, but you go to BlackRifleCoffee.com for 20% off your purchase.
0: Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll through the Wednesday edition of the program. Great piece uh, this morning in today's issue of The Wall Street Journal by a woman who has been a guest with us a couple of times, I think. uh, Fled this uh, New York City for the free state of Florida. She is Carol Markowitz. And the headline Of your opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal is, and we talked about this some yesterday. New York City keeps masking toddlers. The school system's policy is an exercise in senseless cruelty. And Carol, this is crazy. I know you've got kids. I've got kids. Mm -hmm. We finally get kids K through 12 not required to wear a mask in New York City. But insanely, they are still requiring two, three and four year olds to wear masks, which are probably the people who are least able to wear them. And as you point out, least necessary to wear them as well.
4: Yeah. And sh- and who should have never been wearing them, yeah. even when we believe that masking perhaps did something, which I, I don't know who can still believe that uh, I don't think that anybody thought that kids under five should be masked ever. I mean, nobody else was doing this. Every time you saw a toddler being pulled off a flight, you could be sure that that video was taken in America because only we were masking toddlers. And it's just, it's crazy to me that it's March 2022 and I'm still writing about masks on small children as if there isn't a mountain of evidence that they don't need it. It's, it's really soul crushing. I don't have small, I mean, my youngest is six. So if we still lived in New York, this wouldn't affect me. But I I cannot imagine that people are okay with unmasking everybody except two, three, and four-year-olds.
2: Carol, Carol, do you come across anybody? uh, It's Buck, and thanks thanks for being with us, of course, again. Um, Do you come across people that will actively defend this? I mean, I I find this fascinating. It feels like everything is always just... You know, someone else says I have to do this, right? Like, I'm just a cog in the machine. Mm -hmm. It's always by, it's always tyranny by committee with these COVID idiots. And I'm just wondering, honestly, like, do you come across blue checks that are saying masking up children
4: is necessary to save lives? No, I don't because it makes no sense. So, even if you believe that this segment of the population should mask because there is no vaccine, it doesn't make sense because only like 40% of New York City children are vaccinated, uh, five and up. So what you're saying is that just because the vaccine exists for the five and up, that they get to take off their masks. That makes no sense. And I don't I don't see anybody defending it. I don't know who put this bug in Eric Adams ear. It's really shocking to me. I feel like it has to be teacher union union related. Um, I I don't know, though, because obviously we don't have a media. Can can I just ask you also like like like
2: the teachers (laughs) union thing, Carol, for a while, because you've been on the forefront of this and, and Clay and I both just really appreciate you. Writing on this, and and you wrote in your you wrote in your uh, recent New York post op ed that you were wrong at the beginning when you thought that school shutdown should happen. That's right. You actually believe in accountability, but you changed your mind when you saw the evidence. Mm-hmm. I thought we would all do that as a country. I gravely right. overestimated Democrats' honesty and basic decency on this stuff, but that only lasted a couple of months. Then I realized they're completely out of their minds. <laughs> um, but but I mean, go, going forward on this, I, I just yeah. what do you what is it with the teachers unions? It it just feels like they're doing this because they can. I mean, it's one thing when they can stay home for Zoom learning, but it seems like the teachers union say we're all scared. Our adults, even though they're vaccinated and whatever. So
4: like, what is that all about? I feel like it is a flex of power to say we still have control, uh, but you're absolutely right. Like I got it wrong in March of 2020, um, and you know Buck gives you a lot of credit for getting it right early on. Um, so I, I get that people got it right when I was wrong, and I'm I'm sorry that I pushed for schools to close in March 2020. I never believed that the two weeks to stop the spread would lead to two years of masking children and this insanity um, and I just think that if we don't get apologies and contrition and uh, acknowledgement from these people who got it wrong and continue to get it wrong they're going to do this to us again uh, the pause right now with the mask mandates in New York City is just a pause it's not an ending they're just saying the numbers are down right now we can take off our masks we were, you know, might put them back on and might to me means that they definitely will
0: Carol, I think you're 100 percent right. And this is why I keep beating the drum that the 2022 midterms have to be a referendum on the politicians who allowed these yep. awful decisions to be made. I, I I think and Buck said it and I think it's, he's right. It's a single issue election. You it, our democracy. I really believe this demands that we hold people accountable when they make atrocious errors of judgment on our behalf. And the Democratic Party did that for basically two years. And you're seeing yep. Carol, You, I know you left New York City. Uh, Mm -hmm. but the New York Times had a piece, I think it was yesterday I was reading, where they said, hey, oh, by the way, the people who <laughs> suffered the most from school shutdowns were poor and minority kids. Uh, right. Yeah, we've been beating right. that drum for 2 years it was self-evident and this morning I wake up and their morning uh you know d- digest or whatever they send mm-hmm. out it effectively acknowledged that none of the mask mandates and none I mean they t- they're tiptoeing up to it, right? They're not yeah. definitively saying we got this 100% wrong. Will they ever? You're arguing they need to. Do you think they we must. will get that yeah. acknowledgment?
4: I, I don't think we're going to get it for a very long time. So the, the the piece this morning about whether or not any of the mitigation factors worked, which we know they did not, uh, was by David Leonhardt. And he's sort of the, you know, he's the sanity whisperer of the New York Times. He brings yeah. news from two years ago to them. Um, and so <laughs> he uh, but even in that piece, he still has to hedge it and say, oh, you know, but if numbers go up, then we may have to go back to masking. So he admits that masking did not work, only to say that should numbers go up, we should go back to the thing that did not work. And this is what passes for, you know, journalism. And it really kills me that he's the best that we have to even offer. Like, he, he's the best at the times. He's our only hope at the times, really, is what it is. And that's scary.
2: We're well, Speaking to Carol Markowitz, got a great piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, just yesterday. New York City keeps masking toddlers, which is senseless cruelty. She's 100% right. She also had a piece in the New York Post saying what we've been saying here on the show, and I want everyone on the team on this one, we got to demand apologies, and I was wrong from the people who were wrong. We cannot allow this to be a, a suspension of all this. And to that end, Carol, it was about power early on, and it was about the election, and and then I think they created this mass hysteria that they, they had to just keep mm-hmm. feeding you know, a lot of them, it's tough to tell, you know, with the apparatus. And Fauci, I'm making jokes all the time because it's so true. You know, what happened to Fauci? Did he get, you know, lost under the seats of a taxi cab here in New York? And does someone have to go find him? I mean, you know, is he is he locked in a in a thimble somewhere? Like, what's going on? And with all this, it feels to me like ego is a huge part of this. That a lot yeah. of people who think they are very smart and very data-driven were very very wrong and they actually can't like psychologically cannot compute this even though it's so clear now so they'd rather continue with the delusion
4: right i play poker so in poker it's they can't get off the hand like they they thought they had aces in the beginning and now they they're clearly beat but they can't stop betting into the pot um and that's where we are right now these people absolutely cannot admit defeat and it's it's really just um, again, scary for the future. I I, I don't even I, I wouldn't care so much about them admitting that they've ruined you know the lives of children and the lives of so many people for two years. Um, I wouldn't care about that as much if they didn't continue to have so much control over the rest of us going forward. And the fact that they can just put, bring all these policies back at any time. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned to you I met a couple in Florida who are big fans of the show. I know they're listening right now, but their business. I mean, suffered. They described how they didn't sleep for two years and how how painful it all was and how nobody cared. And it was supposed to, you know, these people were at home baking bread and on their Pelotons thinking that nobody else was affected. And it's just, it's tragic to me that they retain all this level of control to ruin our lives going forward.
0: Carol, I've made the analogy of Vietnam, not in the context of obviously this being a war necessarily, but There was a contentious battle between people who said, hey, we need to fight the war in Vietnam. We need not to. Now, if you talk about the history of Vietnam, almost no one will admit to believing that Vietnam made sense to ever fight. Will we end up with COVID where people like you, me and Buck and many of our listeners out there who have been fighting these anti-restriction, anti-lockdown arguments, where almost everybody just ends up arguing that they were on our side all along and no one will admit, you know, 20 years from now that they ever believed kids needed to wear masks, that two-year-olds needed to be masked up or that kids should have ever been out of school?
4: (laughs) What's wild is that that's our best best case scenario, right? Because yeah. if they don't admit it, then it's very easily we can you know have COVID twenty twenty eight and have yeah. it start all over again. And this is not something that uh, it just ends. Um, we could absolutely have a different pandemic. Uh, this happens, and and these people, unless they unless they go back and say I was wrong, unless they even internally say that, maybe not even to us. Uh, they're very likely to return back to the same mitigation factors. I mean, if you look at, like, what the health agencies have been saying, I mean, Walensky uh, said, you know, I think in January that uh, masking – no, it might have been December, sorry – but that that masking provides 80 percent protection against – against viruses and she said not just covid she said also flu and the common cold now if that were true i mean we would be basically curing the common cold but obviously that's not true and and it means that the masks are more effective than the covid 19 vaccine right so they're still pushing these lies today this is all very um is still very much in the present. I, none of this is in the past yet. There's, they continue to lie to us today. So if in the future they are ashamed of themselves and pretend that they never believed it, that might be a win for all of us.
2: No doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not over until they admit they yeah. were wrong and they say they're sorry, and they are nowhere near that right now. That's right. Carol Markwitz, yeah. everybody. Carol, thanks so much. Appreciate it. We'll talk so much, to you soon. guys.
4: Thank you.
0: Thank you as well. People who work with their hands, they have all sorts of excuses and thoughts about why they suffer pain daily. Chefs, hairstylists, gardeners, baggage handlers, it's a long list. They're first in line for needing what our sponsor relief factor provides to them. It's a solution to the pain they feel every night at the end of their working day and every morning when they work up, wake up. We hear from members of these, uh, of these professions all the time, including Dawn from Minnesota. She's been a hairstylist for 25 years, had horrible pain in her hands, her back, And her feet until she started using Relief Factor. By her own admission, she waited too long and now she can't be without it. Relief Factor took away all her aches and pains in a month's time. Again, 100% drug-free product goes right to all of your pain. Created by doctors based on scientific research, it will do for you. Hopefully and likely, what it has done for Dawn. Seventy percent of people go on to order more, and you can order your own three-week quick start for only nineteen ninety-five right now. Go to relieffactor.com or call eight hundred for relief to get the nineteen ninety-five three-week quick start developed for you. Relieffactor.com. You can also call eight hundred the number for relief. Relief Factor. Feel the difference. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-GOLD.
1: When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? As someone who served our country in the intelligence community, I appreciate
2: companies that back our nation's service community. One company that does it best is GovX. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. GovX offers unbeatable discounts from thousands of trusted brands, sports and entertainment tickets, travel deals, the list goes on. GovX.com is a one-stop shop for the things you love. GovX also donates a portion of every single order to nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. When you shop on govx.com, your orders make a meaningful impact. See if you qualify. Visit govx.com, that's govx.com, and join a community of more than 8.5 million patriots and pros. It's fast, easy, and free to join. Use my name, Buck, as your promo code in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX savings for those who serve welcome back to clay and Bach. thanks for rolling with us today uh we're gonna have our friend rahim kassam of the national pulse he's editor-in-chief over there joining us in just a few minutes to give his perspective on just the mess the war the conflict the intervention possibility in ukraine all of that coming up here in just a few minutes we'll also talk about the latest on the parental rights bill which unfortunately the messaging campaign has been uh on defense for conservatives of this for the last few days because they're calling it the don't say gay bill which is a lie we will dive into that in the third hour of the program as well curtis in vancouver washington he's got some thoughts for us thanks curtis
3: yeah i was listening earlier you had a uh, reference to the latest book about churchill and uh, to the discovery of the endurance and the book by alfred j lansing a uh, Endurance. And there's a couple of references I wanted to share also. one. Sure. But uh, when the First World War broke out in August of 1914, Shackleton cabled the admiralty. The first lawyer of the admiralty was Churchill at the time and said, we are prepared to volunteer en masse as a crew for a ship or we could proceed with the expedition. And Churchill radioed back one word. Proceed.
0: Oh, that's interesting, yeah.
3: Yeah, and and Shackleton had already become a knight uh, after his uh, attempt to reach the South Pole in 1905, which got within, not actually 1908, I think it was, which got within 60 miles of the South Pole before before he turned back. Uh, So it was a failure, but it was the farthest north he ever got. And uh, they were discussing in 1912... Of having appropriations for eight dreadnought class battleships instead of just the usual four. And Arthur Conan Doyle, who was an, a lord in the Admiralty, a uh, lord in the House of Lords, got up and said, We can afford the eight dreadnoughts, but where can we find the eight Shackletons to captain them?
2: It's a great line. There That's you go. Yeah. I mean, look, we got a yeah. lot of history yeah. nerds Curtis. out there. Curtis, oh, I appreciate Gregor. the call. right yeah. Thank, Great call,
0: Curtis. Really what great. were the odds if you were like, uh, you know, be putting some chips on the table that uh, that there would be a Shackleton Churchill discussion breaking out on the on the show today. We bring it all
2: full circle yes. here on
0: CNB. I, I would
2: also say though for those of you who haven't read Endurance, I was even trying to get the team here to maybe get the the Kindle or pick up a copy of it. It's a good thing to read because no matter what kind of day you're having, Clay, you're not 6 months in to yeah. living on an ice floe up your <laughs> elbows in seal blubber hoping you don't freeze to death that night. You know what I mean? Like, that's no matter what kind of day you're having out there, folks, I don't think you got that kind of day going on. Clayton in Georgia has got some thoughts for us. What's up, Clayton?
3: Hey, good afternoon, guys. I appreciate the uh, analysis y'all bring to a lot of topics. I have a couple questions on Ukraine. First of all, how is the United States or Europe better off if we let Putin grind Ukraine down and eventually capture the entire country and all of its resources? And then, second, you know, if we don't do a no fly zone or some other type of intervention, what do you guys think is the best case scenario? Give him the eastern territories, try to strike a, a partition of the country. You know, where do we go from here? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, even if it goes into the next hour.
2: Sure, okay, sure. Well, well, we will why. get into more of that with Raheem Kassam, our, our friend uh, from the National uh, Pulse, in, in a few moments. But I, I'd give a quick version of, a, of an answer and then, you know, pass the baton to Clay on it. Uh, I think that. It's, it's not in our interest to let Russia take all of Ukraine. It's also not in our interest to be in an open war with a nuclear-armed state that may feel like it is more backed into a corner than we realize the moment U.S. planes start flying and shooting down Russian planes. Um, and as for what Putin wants, or, or rather best case, best-case scenario in my mind that's realistic is sometime in, I would love to say the next few days, but it might be the next few weeks, we come in here and we tell all of you that Putin has said, that there's a negotiation underway and there's a, a, a full-scale ceasefire and they're they're essentially going to allow Russia to, to maintain control of some separatist regions and the Ukrainian government has agreed to have some kind of elections with international monitors. That's best-case scenario as I see it. Clay, what do you think?
0: Uh The first part is I don't think long-range that Putin can maintain control of Ukraine. I think that the country will get... Uh, resourced out and bled out over a prolonged period of time because Ukraine will not allow Russia to rule it. I think we've seen enough of what has been the resistance so far to be confident in that. So I think Putin has to, on some level, recognize that if he doesn't, then he's going to destabilize his entire country trying to occupy Ukraine as a controlling authority when there is a constant rebellion. I agree with Buck on the best case scenario. I think it probably. I mean, the best case scenario is that Putin gets overwhelmed and somehow there's a democratic-aligned uh, leader who takes over. That seems that, that's unlikely. a miracle.
2: That's a miracle yes, scenario. That's the Could best case been.
0: scenario. Most likely scenario, I think, is uh, part of eastern Ukraine is given back to Russia. Putin claims it's a victory. Ukraine is willing to give that up because the battle's been going on there since 2014, and the war ends with Ukraine and Zelensky maintaining control of most of the country, but Putin adding more to the overall footprint of Russia that to me seems like the most likely best case scenario you're
2: gonna hear a different perspective than i think you have in a lot of other places from our friend raheem kassam he will be joining us in a few moments here he's the editor-in-chief of national pulse and weighing weigh in with the, him on this and much more coming up
0: the tunnel to towers foundation has been helping america's heroes and their families since 9 11 these are our first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country or those who die in the line of duty or are severely injured and our veterans who fought for our nation's freedoms only to return home fall on tough times and become homeless
2: heroes like buffalo firefighter jason arno and his family arno was killed while protecting his community battling a warehouse fire he left behind his wife and a young daughter in their darkest hour tunnel towers provided arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home the foundation lifted a financial burden enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero.
0: Join Tunnel the to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes. The families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young kids, severely injured service members and homeless veterans.
2: Donate $11 a month at t2t.org. That's t the number 2 t.org.
0: Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer.